Welcome back to the Book of Mormon with Grandma. We're in First Nephi 16 today. The family's still in the Valley of Lemuel. They've remained there for an entire season as they make preparations to get to the Promised Land. I can only assume that meant planting and harvesting because down the road they say they took with them all kinds of seeds and supplies. So it seems they would have had to prepare by staying somewhere long enough to have gotten seeds and food for the trip. There are other interesting things we learn in this chapter. Of course, we hear what I call the unconverted cycle, the usual things. Nephi tries to teach his brothers the things of the gospel. They say it's too hard. We just can't do it. Nephi tells them that the guilty take the truth to be hard because it cutteth them to the very center. Nephi then tells them, no, exhorts them that they need to listen to the Lord and keep the commandments. He tells them to stop murmuring and they repent and humble themselves and things are good for a time. And this seems to be the cycle that goes on with the oldest too. Wash, rinse, and repeat. Murmur, repent, try to do damage to their brother. We see this in almost every chapter. And why do you think that is? Well, one of the Old Testament, old, uh, sorry, old student manuals I read said this, Never at any time were Laman and Lemuel truly converted. To be converted is to undergo change within the inner man. This change requires a contrite spirit and a broken heart, which means to humble yourself before God. Laman and Lemuel refused to yield their hearts to the Lord, so no experience could have changed them. So you see that sometimes, I think, in our own lives, and we wonder if we're truly converted, if we have changed ourselves in the inner man and tried to do better. You'll see this again at the end of this chapter as we um, see the unconverted cycle that keeps happening. Okay, now all the boys, including Zoram, get married to the daughters of Ishmael. What I find is interesting is that Nephi now says, this is in verse 8, And thus my father had fulfilled all the commandments of the Lord which had been given unto him, and also I, Nephi, had been blessed of the Lord exceedingly. I suppose we see that the Lord gave Nephi some very specific things that he was to accomplish. One was to get them out of Jerusalem, for sure, and another in this verse gives us the impression that he was to make sure that the boys were married before they traveled on. Brother um, Joseph Fielding McConkie and Robert Millet in their book says, since Nephi is writing this some 30 years after his marriage to Ishmael's daughter, he's likely talking about his wife when he said, I, Nephi, had been blessed of the Lord exceedingly. So it's a nice tribute to his wife, who stuck by him and everything. So now it's time to get up and get going. The Lord told Nephi in the night that it was time to take his journey into the wilderness. I wonder if he said, which, which way do we go? Where are we going? How will we know if we're traveling the right way? How do we avoid the robbers and thieves on the roads? Thus, thus far they've followed the instructions of the Lord, but... Now they're heading into the wilderness with no map. But when they get up, they see something strange outside the door of the tent. Okay, let's go on to verse 10. And it came to pass that as my father arose in the morning and went forth to the tent door, to his great astonishment, he beheld upon the ground a round ball of curious workmanship. And it was of fine brass, and within the ball were two spindles, and the one pointed the way whither we should go into the wilderness." So Alma is the one who tells us that its name was Liahona. I wonder if it came with instructions. 
When Lehi looked down and saw it, did he know how to work it? Nephi tells us, down in verse 26 and 27, that things were written on it from time to time, things that gave them greater understanding of the things of the Lord. We know it was not a compass like a regular compass because it pointed the way they should go, and it only worked by their faith. If they were faithless, it didn't work. We'll talk about that in a minute. Elder David A. Bednar said, Just as Lehi was blessed in ancient times, each of us in this day has been given a spiritual compass that can direct and instruct us during our mortal journey. The Holy Ghost was conferred upon you and me as we came out of the world and into the Savior's church through baptism and confirmation. As we each press forward along the pathway of life, we receive direction from the Holy Ghost, just as Lehi was directed through the Liahona. The Holy Ghost operates in our lives precisely as Liahona did for Lehi and his family, according to our faith and diligence and heed. That was in a conference report. We too have to have strong enough faith to listen to the promptings of the Holy Ghost so that we can guide our families through the wilderness that is called this world. Alma talked about this in Alma 37. This is starting in verse 41. Nevertheless, because those miracles were worked by small means, it did show unto them marvelous works. They were slothful and forgot to exercise their faith and diligence, and then those marvelous works ceased, and they did not progress in their journey. Therefore they tarried in the wilderness, or did not travel a direct course, and were afflicted with hunger and thirst because of their transgressions. So verse 42 gives us yet another reason why they wandered in the wilderness for eight years. It was not just Lehi who had to have faith. The scriptures say they. It worked according to their faith and diligence. They were slothful and forgot to exercise faith and diligence, and then the Liahona ceased to work. So I had a discussion with Grandpa about the whole family having faith. I know that Laman and Lemuel do not appear to have faith, and when they say faith, we're talking about faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see later that when they get rowdy on the ship that the Liahona quits working. So I wonder if the Lord took into account their diligence at the other times to do what they were asked to do, if maybe they didn't have the faith they should have. Certainly they've humbled themselves several times and gotten themselves back on a right path. So did the Lord then take their humility into account to allow the Liahona to work? I'm not sure how that worked. From everything I read, it seemed the whole family needed to have faith and diligence in doing what the Lord asked. But here's the point I wanted to make. When it ceased to work, it says they did not travel a direct course, so they wandered. There is one of the reasons they wandered around in the wilderness for eight years. It can happen to us, too, when we do, do not listen to the Lord or the Holy Ghost who's trying to guide us. We, too, might wander, and we might not progress the way we should. We might get off course. What are some things that we have today besides the Holy Ghost that can act as a liahona for us to show us the way? Well, here's what I thought of. Scriptures, listening to the prophets at conference, our patriarchal blessings. Patriarchal blessings are a literal roadmap for your life. I read mine often just to remind myself what the Lord sees in me. I'm sure you can think of a few more. Now, the family's taken the Lehona and followed where it told them to go, and Nephi is specific about the direction they go. He says they travel for four days in a nearly south-southeast direction and then stopped at a place they called Shazer to replenish their meat supply. 
He says the ball has shown them the more fertile parts of the wilderness, which was by the Red Sea, which will help with their planting and their hunting to be in the more fertile parts of the wilderness. They had been on the road for several days. Actually, Nephi says many days. And he says they stopped for a space of a time so they could get more supplies and more meat for the journey. In the commentary on the Book of Mormon, it says that the Hebrews considered a word, the word time to stand for a year. So it could mean a half a year or six months, or the Jews also divided up the year into six seasons. So this could also have been two months, this space of a time. It could be anywhere from two months to six months to stay in a place to restock their supplies. But now something happens that seems to threaten their ability to get food. This is back in verse 18. Very well-known story in the Book of Mormon. And it came to pass that as, as I, Nephi, went forth to slay food, behold, I did break my bow, which was made of fine steel. After I did break my bow, behold, my brethren were angry with me because of the loss of my bow. For we did obtain no food, and it came to pass that we did return without food to our families, and being much fatigued because of their journeying, they did suffer much for the want of food. And it came to pass that Laman and Lemuel and the sons of Ishmael did begin to murmur exceedingly because of their sufferings and afflictions in the wilderness. And also my father began to murmur against the Lord his God, yea, and they were all exceedingly sorrowful, even that they did murmur against the Lord." Now it came to pass that I, Nephi, having been afflicted with my brethren because of the loss of my bow, and their bows having lost their springs, it began to be exceedingly difficult, yea, insomuch that we could obtain no food. So remember, they didn't have a pantry to take along with them. They were tent camping in the wilderness, and so they had to hunt for their food, and there wasn't a store nearby to run get something like we have today if we ran out of food. So when Nephi's bow broke, it must have seemed like they would never eat again. Remember, they were tired from their journey of many days, and I wonder how long it had been since they had eaten. Was it since breakfast, or since the day before, or before that? We just don't know. But now, not only Nephi's bow was broken, but the other brothers' bows had lost their springs, and there wasn't an ace hardware or a Lowe's to go repair it. Seems there's plenty to murmur about, so much so that even Lehi began to murmur. I've often wondered why Nephi had the bow of steel and the other boys didn't. The boy was the bow was a symbol of strength and leadership and authority, and it took great practice and strength to be skillful at it. His brothers obviously did not use theirs much because theirs had lost their springs. That meant that when they tried to shoot the arrows, they would just plop down, just fall to the ground when you pull back. One place I read said that happens when they have not been cared for, but... Climate also figures into how well the springs keep their elasticity. Obviously, the brothers didn't need to hunt for food in Jerusalem, so perhaps they did not use them much, and now they're out looking for food every day and using them every day in weather that they're not used to. But a broken bow is a symbol of submission, kind of like showing them all that they must now depend on the Lord for help. So when Nephi's bow broke, the others began to murmur and couldn't figure out what to do, but... Nephi accepts the challenge to figure out what to do. This is back to 23. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, did make out of wood a bow and out of a straight stick an arrow. Wherefore, I did arm myself with a bow and an arrow, with a sling and with stones. And I said unto my father, Whither shall I go to obtain food? And it came to pass that he did inquire of the Lord, for they had humbled themselves because of my words. For I did say many things unto them in the energy of my soul. 
And it came to pass that the voice of the Lord came unto my father, and he was truly chastened because of his murmuring against the Lord, insomuch that he was brought down into the depths of sorrow. And it came to pass that the voice of the Lord said unto him, Look upon the ball, and behold the things which are written. Nephi makes a new bow, and it just so happens that they are in the wilderness, where there are trees that are perfect for making a new bow out of wood. So even though the broken bow was a bump in the road, the Lord has led them to a place perfect for a new one. So it appears that Lehi forgot how important it was to look at the ball and see what it told them to do. I wonder if fatigue, hunger, and challenges may have caused him to just sit down and forget. I think sometimes we also forget to ask the Lord for help when we need it. Sometimes life gets hard, and in our fatigue and in the challenges and in the midst of the trials, we forget where to go for help, and we plop down on the couch and murmur about our situation. But now Nephi tells us the importance of just looking and believing. This is in verse 29. And there was also upon them a new writing, which was plain to be read, which did give us understanding concerning the ways of the Lord. And it was written and changed from time to time according to the faith and diligence which we gave unto it. And thus we see that by small means the Lord can bring about great things. This is why the Lord told um, Lehi to go look at the ball, because there are things that are written on it from time to time. But this is what an interesting thing that Nephi says, and thus we see by small means. Now we see the unconverted cycle begin again. Ishmael dies while on the journey, and they bury him at a place they call Nahum, which means consolation. I think this must have been a hard thing for all of them, and I'm sure we can see that mourning would be a natural thing. The Jews tended to mourn a long time, and it was usually a loud thing. Remember in the New Testament podcast, I told you they often hired mourners to come in to weep and wail. But I do not doubt that this has been a hard road for those who had dwelt in the city to be out in the wilderness and away from their friends and life. And so they all began to murmur and want to go back to Jerusalem. But now we see that it's Laman who steps up and begins to stir the pot and cause more grief than necessary. This is in verse 37. And Laman said unto Lemuel, and also unto the sons of Ishmael, Behold, let us slay our father, and also our brother Nephi, who has taken it upon him to be our ruler and our teacher, who are his elder brethren. Who would think of killing your father and brother straight off the bat when things got hard? I still say, why didn't they just get up and go back to Jerusalem? Why did they stay and continue this cycle of unbelief and wanting to kill the brother and father? I imagine the scene a little like a protest where someone is always there stirring the pot and talking to everyone with a bullhorn about the atrocities of whatever they're protesting. I picture laymen starting by telling them, hey, he says the Lord's talked to him and angels have ministered to him, but he just lies about that. He just wants us to be deceived so he can lead us out here in the wilderness so we can, he can be king or ruler over us. Can't you just picture him on this soapbox? But yet again, the Lord comes to Nephi's aid and saved him from his brothers, and they'll feel bad and repent, and for a time, they'll be better. The Leahona was just a simple way the Lord provided for the Lehi family to be led if they exercised faith and paid attention to it. It was simple and easy, small means. But that simple way brought about great things when they did what they were told. 
Elder David E. Sorensen said this at a BYU-Idaho speech. During our lifetime, each of us will experience extraordinary circumstances and events. We will even see miracles in our personal lives. Such miracles reaffirm that our Heavenly Father lives and that Jesus is the Christ and that through the gift of the Holy Ghost, we can feel His presence in our daily lives. Too often we dismiss some of the little miracles that happen to us as merely coincidence. However, on closer examination, little miracles act as testimonies that the Savior is very much involved in our lives. So, until next time.